Okay, thank you. Uh, Genesis chapter number 25, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. While you're doing that, let me give you an update on Pastor Fisher, some of you have asked. And uh, he was scheduled for uh, the surgery uh, on his heart on, um, was it, what was it, yeah, I, I think it was, I mixed up, I think it was Wednesday our time. Anyway, uh, they postponed it. And the reason it was postponed was that his surgeon had an emergency case and had been working on another patient all through the night, I guess trying to save somebody's life, and uh, was fatigued and said, uh, best not now, let's just postpone till Monday. So uh, if you'll uh, remember that, to pray for Brother Fisher, uh, surgery uh, Monday, uh, American time, LA time, San Diego time. So uh, please uh, keep praying for him and uh, we pray the operation will go well. I received a, a contact from Brother Gibbs, Pastor, uh, Brother David Gibbs, Last week was organising a prayer time and uh, contacted me, said we're all going to hook up at this time. And uh, so I'm glad that, uh, you know, there are different groups around America meeting to pray. And I do appreciate those of you here who have remembered him when you came uh, time to pray. So let's keep praying for him. You know, Brother Fisher is very important, uh, not just to his church, but really in a, in a far greater sense. And uh, I've preached in his church course many times over the past uh, 20 years or so. And I've often felt it's hard for his church to understand uh, what he does outside of his church. Because they don't get to go with him when he goes around and they don't understand the impact. But there are many people here who have been uh, greatly impacted by uh, Brother Fisher's teaching and preaching. Uh, I, I believe that he was just a gift of God sent to my life. Uh, probably the two people who most uh, shaped me and you know you have to understand in context of my times so so that doesn't mean that they're going to most shape you but the two people who most shaped me uh, was firstly uh, Pastor Jack Hiles uh, who pastored a church in America and some of you will know of him and some of you will not uh, but he was very influential in uh, teaching me a lot of things uh, it was Dr. Hiles who instilled in me the value of principles, learning Bible principles. So when you hear that come out of me, uh, that a lot of that was uh, put in there by him. Uh, Brother Hiles also taught me about pastoring a local church, about just what it meant to be a pastor. He pastored a church where there were Supreme Court judges in the church. Uh, there were, you know, it was American, there was FBI, there was uh, you know, uh, the mayor was in the church of a, of a large town and he had a lot of uh, very sort of well-to-do people, but he also had steel workers, factory workers, and he had bus kids. And so it's a wonderful thing in a church when there's a diversity of people. You would never want to have a church that's just all business people, you know. Mostly they're boring anyway. You want, you want to go broader than that. So, but you don't want to have a church that just has, you know, one particular group. Um, when there's diversity in the church, it's a good thing. And so he, he taught me that when you are the pastor, you are the pastor of all those people. So, so you've got to be able to minister to all those people at one time. So when you preach a message, there needs to be some simple things in there, but there might need to be one or two profound things in there that, so you're, you're reaching across that spectrum. So he was very influential in my life uh, and uh, helped me in a lot of ways. And then the second person that God sent along in my life was Pastor Fisher. And so Pastor Fisher helped me to develop a, a greater interest in understanding the Old Testament and seeing the value of the Old Testament in our uh, our daily living now and uh, uh, just to be able to unfold things more. So, so uh, both of those men, I believe, were gifts of God sent to me and, uh, and just used to uh, shape me. Uh, you know, I'm still me, but the, they shaped me. And if God sends people to you like that, it's not the message, but if God sends people to you like that, you know, you really should see the value in that these people are a gift of God to you. And uh, God is sending people to you to, to, to give you something or add something to you that you may not have. 
And uh, there's, never, there's never a tempt. God is not wanting you to try to be them. You, you have to be you. Your individuality is never stolen away from you. But nor should you resist, listen carefully, nor should you resist the influence of someone who is influencing you for good and for God. It's not something you have to fight off and say that you, you should allow that influence to happen. And uh, so, uh, you know, I still believe God does work that way. He'll bring people across your pathway in your journey of life. I think about a lot of the couples who are sitting here who, who I was your pastor when you married. And it was me that taught you, you know, things about marriage and, and your home and raising your children. It wasn't all perfect, but... But many of you just received that of the Lord and, and mostly it's gone, okay, you've seen how God has blessed those things. We don't need to uh, resist that. So if God brings along people like that, uh, just, just receive it. Brother Fisher is very different to Brother Hiles, but both of them are God used in my life. Uh, pray for Pastor Lloyd and his family. Uh, we don't want to be forgetful of them and uh, their labours and uh, all they did uh, for us and this ministry for 15 wonderful years of uh, God using them, uh, the sacrifices that Cassie has made, no doubt. There's something about being a pastor's wife where, you know, a lot of your privacy is taken away and everybody's looking at you. And, and so they, they all, as a family, have sacrificed a great deal for us. And uh, we want to be remembering to uh, pray for them and just uh, ask God to bless them and uh, meet their needs in, uh, in every way like that. And also, can I say, uh, as this will be the last Sunday night that I will be addressing you for a while, please uh, continue to preserve your unity. Uh, I, I've been just so thankful for the maturity that has been demonstrated in the church. Uh, I appreciate that no one has been... Um, you know, uh, 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 you know, obnoxious or, or uh, you know, uh, aggressive in their opinions. There hasn't been any of that that I've come across. Uh, people have been careful and temperate. And I think we all realise the, uh, the soberness of, of, you know, looking for a new pastor. And, and we, it's a transition we want to get through without attrition. Uh, we, we don't, we don't want to lose people because we don't believe that God wants anybody to leave. Uh, we, we believe God wants you to stay and uh, we want to get through it and we want, to, we want it to be a chapter in the life of our church where we grew through it and uh, we stayed together and uh, we let the Holy Spirit lead us and I believe he'll do that. So please preserve your unity uh, and uh, encourage others to do the same. Keep working your ministries. We don't want ministries to shut down. Uh, you know, we have a pastor, we don't have a pope. And uh, we believe that uh, the ministries of the church uh, should continue and everybody should uh, keep about serving God and doing what you do. So uh, continue to do that, continue to be faithful. Uh, I'll still be uh, uh, in touch uh, uh, two or three times a week. I'll, I'll be coming in on some meetings uh, that will be in Thailand. In fact, for the first 10 days, I'll be stuck in a quarantine hotel. So I have lots of time and uh, what a joy that'll be. Uh, Suzanne and I are going to get to enjoy 10 more days of just her and I together in a room and that'll be just about as wonderful as it was the first time we did it for 14 days. So uh, we'll be there. The only difference is the food will be a lot worse this time round. I can tell you that. I already looked at the breakfast menu and uh, for breakfast you get cold porridge and a cold Cheerio and so that'll, that'll be breakfast. So I tell you what, deprive Suzanne and I of our food and it could get nasty. You know what I'm saying? Both of us, both of us just might get in the flesh. I don't know about that, but, but uh, I will have a little bit of time. So I'll be praying and trying to do some study, uh, but uh, I'll be staying in touch with uh, progress. And when things are normalised, then I'll look forward to being able to visit you uh, without quite the same burden it is now to try to get back. All right, Genesis chapter number... 25. I'm going to uh, talk to you tonight about uh, something that happened in the life of uh, Esau. I believe that God uh, would have us to learn from this. And, and uh, you know, sometimes these messages are quite sobering. And to be honest, I'd rather be listening to it than preaching it. I, I, I really would find it easier if someone else would just say the things that I'm probably going to have to say tonight. Uh, but this is in the Word of God. And, uh, and I believe these things are put here. I, 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 I've 
said this before, but I often think about the things that God put in Genesis. Uh, Genesis is the beginnings book. I often think that, that God prioritized some things way back early so everybody would get it. You understand, there were just some lessons God said, we better not wait for revelation for this, we need to get it in here right away. Because a whole lot of people are going to come after this and they really need this one. And so that's why these things are here. And it has to do with, uh, with Esau uh, uh, losing his birthright. And you have to understand the, the birthright in this time had both a, uh, an earthly blessing, but it was also a spiritual blessing. And uh, it's become a little easier for me to understand because having lived in Thailand, uh, I've watched that every family in Thailand has a spiritual head. And that's not, it's different to Australia or most families in Australia. So every family in Thailand, uh, somebody is the spiritual head. And so, uh, you know, obviously Joe's family, which I've got to know well over the past uh, 15 years, uh, Joe's father was one of uh, uh, six or seven brothers and there's one sister and uh, then of course they married and there was kids so while his grandfather was alive grandfather was the spiritual head and uh, his job was to watch over the well-being of the family in a uh, in a earthly way but also uh, to lead the family in worship and uh, to maintain the spiritual values of the family now it was not Christian uh, but that's what they did. And, uh, and then when grandfather died, it went to grandmother. And grandmother became the spiritual head uh, of the family and uh, would lead the family in worship and maintaining all that happened uh, in the family from, uh, you know, all the way down to the grandkids. And then when grandmother died, uh, it went to the oldest son. And now it's starting to sound a little bit more like our reading with Esau. And so the oldest son took on the mantle of responsibility. He still has it today. And uh, his job is to, is to be the spiritual head of the home, but also to watch out for everybody's well-being uh, chosen for. And it had fallen to him as the older uh, that he had the birthright. And it was, uh, it was, an, it was an honourable thing. It was... Uh, uh, it meant that uh, you got a double portion of the family inheritance, but it was, it was more than that. If it had only been that, it would not have had the same uh, uh, emphasis in the scriptures about what he forfeited. Because what he threw away was the spiritual blessing that God was going to put on his life. And there's the sober lesson. Uh, the, uh, the Hebrews passage that speaks of this is particularly sobering because uh, it says, it teaches us that good things, listen carefully, good things can be lost in a way that they will never be found again. And uh, I, one of the things I, I love about the Lord is he is a God of hope. And I love the fact that God is a God of restoration, uh, that God, there's always hope in the Lord. As long as you're alive, there's hope. Uh, God can restore things to you. God can even go back and give you the years that the locusts have devoured. Uh, God can do all of that. But the Bible also says there are some things in life that can be lost. And if they're lost, you may never get them again. And so, so there's, a, there's a sobriety to that because it's scary to think that, that I may forfeit something that was intended for me and it's not coming back again. So, so that, that's what Esau did. Uh, one day Esau, of course, realised what he had lost. And uh, the Bible says that he sought to get it back. Uh, in fact, it says he tried to get it back with repentance and tears, but it could not be found. It was not, it was not coming back to him. And uh, so, uh, you know, the, God will preserve you uh, preserve you losing things against many things. Let me explain that. There are many times that something might come along that might be going to cost you something and God will intervene and stop that happening. He will stop you suffering loss and he will, he will buffer you. And there's, uh, there's scriptures about, about God being our shield and, uh, and God being our right hand. 
and uh, God uh, buffering us. And he will do that for you many, many times. Uh, the Lord will intervene and he will not allow you to, to lose something that, that something else is trying to steal away. But one of the things he cannot buffer you from is your own will. In other words, if you throw it away, he's not going to buffer you from that. Now, if someone else tries to steal it away, he can protect you in a way that they can't steal it. If somebody else is trying to defraud you or cheat you, or if somebody is warring some conspiracy of evil against you, uh, God can buffer you and protect you from that. But he will not protect you from your own will if you throw something away. And it's very sobering. And that's what happened here uh, with Esau. You know, Esau did not give proper importance to important things. He did not give proper importance to important things. So things that were important, he said, were nothing. And there's always, it's dangerous when you get to the place that God is calling something important and you think it's nothing. God is saying this matters and you say it doesn't matter. And you're out of alignment with God. And your, your value system and your understanding is contrary to God. So what you've got to do, you've got to say, God, what is important to you? By the way, modesty is important to God. Now you say, oh, oh you know, it's uh, 2021 and, you know, what is, what is even that in our day and nobody cares. And Well, see, see, that's the problem. God says something is important and you say it's not. And what you have to do, what we all got to do, is we've got to align ourselves with the values of God. Now, I'm not asking you to align yourself with my values. And I'm not asking you to align yourself with someone who might be conservative or further to the right or a little to the left of you. I'm just saying we all need to get in alignment with God. And if God says something is important, it's important. And the problem with Esau was he was, he was saying something was unimportant or acting like it was unimportant when it was very important. He made light of future things. Because the birthright was something that came to you later. Uh, it, was, it was yours. God planned for that inheritance to go to him, but he made light of it. And, uh, and what he said, he said, was there, what profit is that? I'm going to die right now. I, just, I will just have what I want now. What, what is that off in the, the somewhere? And there's a problem when you're not understanding the importance of future things. You know, there's a future judgment. I had a pastor say to me recently, he said, Brother Shemish, I'm just concerned that the Lord's people are not thinking about heavenly rewards and that it's not even in the theology of a lot of people. But it is in God's theology. A lot of people just think this, well, <clears throat> you bless God, you, you die and you go to heaven and we're all the same. We're not. We're not. You haven't read enough Bible. There's rewards in heaven. You can suffer the loss of them or you can gain from them. There's degrees of brightness in heaven. You know, some people will be walking around shining bright and that's a, that's a reward and, and people will recognise that. Other people will be walking around and it looks like the batteries are about dead, you know, the, the bulbs barely on. And, uh, and, you know, what happened? Well, I lived for myself. You know, I was saved and I'm glad to be in heaven but didn't really do much for God, we can tell. So, so we should aspire uh, to have a blessing in the future time. I, I want to have heavenly rewards. And, and, I, and you understand, heavenly rewards is not about, it's not earthly rewards. I'm not looking to stack the bank account. I, I'm not, I don't need a bigger house. Uh, I'm not looking for, you know, a Rolex, nothing like that. Heavenly rewards are about the pleasure of God on the life I live. That, that God bestowed them or granted them based on what I did for him. And I just happen to feel that I owe him my all. Uh, he's given me his all and, uh, and I want to do my best to live him. I've got a mind to heavenly rewards and, it's, and I'm conscious of it. Now, when I have an opportunity to give, I think this is a good chance for heavenly rewards. When I sacrifice, when I meet the needs of others, when I do things for the poor, uh, when I serve the Lord, when I stay faithful, regardless of whether others are or not. Uh, future things are important things. 
And uh, don't be fooled into thinking that your life is only the sum total of what you do here and nothing is going to matter after that. Bless God, I'm just going to go to heaven. You know, you, you, you'll regret. You'll regret if, uh, if the Lord had more for you here and you just didn't take it seriously. Heavenly rewards is something that we should be conscious of. When you give to missions, I believe God sees that. Uh, when, you, when you sacrifice, it's okay to say, you know, I, I want the Lord to be pleased with this. Uh, you know, I, I hope that there'll be a heavenly reward in this. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus said, bank it up there. Bank it up there. Put it in a place where nothing's going to uh, take it away. And so, so that was the problem with Esau. He didn't give proper importance to important things. He made light of future things. And then uh, I'd have to say the lesson here is we see that uh, he came back. And it, it's hard for us to think that you would sell your birthright for a, a bowl of lentils, a, a, a porridge, a soup. But, but, but the, the lesson here is this. Everybody's bowl of lentils is different. And, and that's what you need to understand. You know, we look at Esau and we wonder how you could lose something so meaningful over something that really ought to be nothing. Uh, but it can be different things for different people. You know, the sins that you understand, the, one, the ones that you go, mm, yeah, yeah, I understand that, that's the sins that you, th you could see yourself doing. Uh, but the things that you think, well, I'd never do that, uh, that, those are the ones that mystify you. What you just need to understand is everybody's bowl of lentils is different. And, uh, and uh, there, everybody has a temptation point. Everybody has vulnerabilities. Uh, everybody has kinks in their psychology that the devil tries to use. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, when it's something uh, that we wouldn't be interested in, we say, I can't understand why someone would do that. Uh, yet when it's something that we say, well, you know, that could have been me, we're, we're a little more understanding. Truth of it is, we all need to be careful. We all need to be careful. We don't lose our future over something foolishly in the present. That, that we don't lose what God intended for us to have and is planning to give us, that's what the birthright was, lose it over something we do now. That's why 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Uh, be careful, the person who thinks, well, that had never happened to me. Uh, be, be careful uh, when you look down your nose at somebody else's sin. Uh, be careful when judgment rises up in you over the misdeeds of another. Be careful, be careful. Uh, because maybe it would not be that bowl of lentils for you, but it can be another thing. And you be sure there's something that would trap you if the circumstances were right. And accept the grace of God, and accept the protection of God, and accept the mercies of God, and sometimes the intervention of God. That could be you losing something uh, over your particular bowl of lentils. It's different things can happen to anybody. Anybody can have a moment. Uh, any, anybody can have uh, a vulnerability, a lapse of judgment. Uh, it can be anybody. And so uh, Esau is given as an example uh, of somebody that just in a moment uh, made a foolish decision of his own will uh, that for Esau was going to cost him his birthright. The second thing I want to uh, say about this situation is when there is hunger, there is danger and vulnerability. Now the story is that he was out in the field and, uh, and I, I don't doubt that, that he indeed was hungry. And I don't think it was just, a, I, I think he was exhausted hungry. And uh, he had staggered back to home. And, uh, but the danger, there's a danger. Because when you, when you have a, listen, when you have a hunger for something, there's a vulnerability that you'll try to fill that in an improper way. And I'm just saying that because you have to understand yourself. And you've got to know when the, when the danger time is. Some hungers will be filled in due time, but some you just have to control. You just, you just have to control. It's important 
that as much as possible we don't put the people around us in a place where they are developing a hunger that we may be causing that is going to result in them looking to have that satisfied in the wrong place. So, so let me say this, don't starve your children of love, acceptance and security because if you starve them of that, they will go looking for it in another. Because you've created something in them that inside they, they, they hunger to feel loved. Uh, they, they, they hunger uh, to have someone uh, who will just give them security and acceptance. And if they're not getting it from the home, there's a danger that that hunger, they'll seek to get that satisfied in another place. So you're talking a little bit of code here, kind of, because I want to keep everything proper, but I think you understand the kinds of things I might be saying. It's important that we, we do not starve them of that, that we, we understand that. Uh, don't, don't put your children in a place where they feel they can never measure up, that you never say, well done, that you never say, oh, it's enough, you did great, that was terrific. And so then they go looking for affirmation in somebody else. They look for somebody else who will tell them that. They've developed a hunger for someone to just tell me I'm okay, someone to just praise me, someone to find something I did good. And when those things are missing, a hunger can come inside. And that's a vulnerable time. Uh, don't starve your spouse of that which is owed. In 1 Corinthians 7.3, we read, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife under the husband. You know, one of the issues that constantly comes up in Thailand is this one. And I found that you can be in all kinds of places in the world and the same kind of things are happening in the home. And it causes tension and frustration. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'll be talking to different couples in uh, Thailand and, and there'll be anger uh, because of a perceived rejection. To one person's mind, it was just this. But to another's mind, it was a rejection. It was, you're pushing me away. You don't, you don't want me. And the Bible warns of this because, because if we starve our spouses of that which God has commanded us to give, we create a vulnerability and they, that hunger. And I, I've said to some of our ladies in counselling and I've you know, spoken to couples, I've said, you need to be careful because you're telling him, don't stray, don't wander, don't you, don't you dare. You're telling him that, but on the other hand, you're creating a situation where you, you create a hunger. And I think you understand what I'm saying. And uh, we, we, we ought not to put anybody in that place. 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says, defraud ye not one the other. It's called, it's called defrauding someone. That's what God calls it. Except it be with consent for a time, unless you agree. But then he warns them that you come back together, lest Satan tempt you. And, and the Bible is telling us that Satan will monopolize our hungers. He'll, he'll, try, to, he'll try to manipulate that that you will seek the satisfaction of something in the wrong place. Now, now we, we, just, we need to learn ourselves. That's what this is about. We just need to understand ourselves. If I've got a hunger, I've got a vulnerability. And I've got to work out, is this something that I can have filled legitimately? Or is this something where I just have to seek the grace of God for? Because not every hunger can be satisfied. Uh, it may be that you were in a season where God said, I recognise you have a hunger, but, but now is not the time. And then you've got to say, well, Lord, you, I, I need you to help me with that. And God is able to give a grace, and he does to many people. God is able to give help to many people. The truth of it is Esau did not need to do what he did. Uh, God would have ensured... That, that he got what he needed. Now, he may not have got the lentils if, if they were not offered, but he would have got something to get him by that day like God had got him by every other day before that. And the Lord is able to, to, to help you with that. 
Now, our culture says if you hunger, just satisfy it. Just, just whatever. Go, go, man, go. It doesn't matter. Uh, 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 culture says there's no morality, there's no right, there's no wrong. Man, if you want it, you just take it. What I'd like to say is, well, how's that working out for you? How's your mental health? How's your physical health? How's your home life? How are you really feeling? How are you doing? Because God's ways are not just right ways, they're the best ways. God is not cheating you, he's protecting you, he's blessing you. The world will tell us, are you missing out? Yeah, I missed out on a lot I'm thankful for. I really am. I'm, I'm thankful for a lot of the things I missed. Boy, I don't need to get hit by a truck to know it's not a good experience. I don't have to try everything to know that that, that doesn't feel good. Thank God that there's some things you missed out on. Thank, thank God if you were raised in a home where there was some standards and thank God if you still blush when you see some things. I, you know, Curtis is planning on getting married. I, next month now is where we're at. It's come around so quick. And uh, so uh, I decided it's time to have a little chat to Curtis and his uh, wife-to-be, Dow. Dow is the Thai word for stars. So, you know, her mum and dad said she's like the stars. She's the only child. And uh, you'll get to meet her one day, I'm sure. But uh, I sort of have a little chat with them. Suzanne was going to have a chat to Dow and I was going to have a chat to Curtis. And so I said, Curtis, the reoccurring issue that comes up over there that causes problems in marriage is this and blah, 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 blah. And Curtis was just a little bit shocked about that. And I thought, well, that's a happy situation. He, he said, now he's going to love me saying this across live stream, right? The last, last time I mentioned him, he was getting texts from all kinds of people asking me if he needed marriage counselling and all kinds of things, truly. But, uh, but, but it's a, I tell you what, it's a good thing if you have a certain kind of ignorance. Don't, don't, you, don't you let anybody mock you for that. But God has preserved something in you you ought to thank God for. You, you don't have to know about every kind of uh, bad thing and have that in your mind. You know, those who, those who have had to deal with those kind of things in their mind know that long after you pass that, those, that imagery keeps coming back. And it's destructive and it's unpleasant and it's a blessing. Let's not, let's not be afraid to... to protect our families and say that they don't need to know all that stuff. Uh, let's, let's be pleased for that. So you may have a hunger that you just need to say, well, God, I need you to help me with this. Uh, God is able to give special grace. That's what, it, that's what it is. Special grace is an unusual ability to do something or bear something that you would not typically have of yourself. That's why it's called a grace. It comes from God. And God is able to give you that. Uh, there are people who cope with loneliness in life. Not everybody marries. Uh, there are people who cope with loneliness because God's grace is with them. And it doesn't mean they enjoy it, but they're able to bear that. And God can give grace. So what we have to do is be ever balancing uh, the things we aspire to or want at some time in the future, but with our present situation. In other words, if it's not the season to have that hunger satisfied, then you need to find contentment where you are right now and, and, and not feel like I'm being cheated. Uh, learn to get some contentment with the stage of life you're in. Philippians 4, 11 to 13, the Apostle Paul said, For I have learned, and it's a learning, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Are you content with where you are tonight? If you're in a season of waiting, can you be content? Uh, if, if you've lost something and you're praying it will come back, can you be content? Can you find contentment in God? And he went on to say, I, I, I know what it is to be full and to be hungry, uh, to abound and to suffer need, but I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now we quote that, for about everything, and that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm going to do this. I can do all things through Christ. But, but context here 
He's saying there's times when I've had to be hungry, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There, there are times that I was in need, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's the context. And you do have Christ who can strengthen you. And, uh, and no matter what it is that you're enduring. And so, so Esau here, uh, you know, gave in to a temporal hunger. But I suspect long before he made the decision to just eat, there were many imaginations going on in his mind. Uh, you know, as he was walking back, I, I, I imagine he was just visualising food. Uh, I, I, know, I know when I fast or if I've gone without food, now you can tell I haven't done that for a long time, but uh, if I've gone without, I've put on 20 kilos since I've been here. I'm, I'm shocked. The only thing that made me feel better about that, well, this suit, I tell you, if I take this belt off, it's going to fly off in the back somewhere. It's, it's just at its pressure point. Brother Mansell bought me this suit and uh, two months ago, and it's a lovely suit and he paid a lot for it and, I went to the shops and the guy tried it on and he said, how's that? And I said, well, it's okay now, but, you know, I'm anticipating what's going to come. I said, it's okay now, uh, but maybe we need to loosen a little bit. And they said, no, no, don't do that, don't do that. It's perfect. The way it is, it's perfect. And I said, yeah, but what's it? No, no, don't do anything. Sure enough, a month later, I'm going like this, trying to get it on. You know, Suzanne, give me a bear hug and help me with this or something. So I put on 20 kilos my good friend Robert Bax called me the other day and uh, Brother Bax and I said, I said, Brother, how's your diet going? What I was wanting to hear was, oh, I gave it up, I'm, I've gone back to my old self. I, I said, how's your diet going? I knew he'd been dieting and he said, uh, it's, he said, it's going really well, mate, really good. And I said, oh, that's great, Robert, you know, that's great, Robert. And I said, uh, I said, how much have you lost now? And he said, I've lost 20 kilos. I thought, mate, I found it. <laughs> and uh, so he said, I, I've lost 20 kilos. And uh, I said, mate, 20 kilos, that's fantastic. I said, so, so what do you weigh now? He said, now I'm 122. I thought, you're 140. <laughs> but I'm not anywhere near that. And uh, I felt better then. Uh, he's, he's still above me and he lost 20 kilos. He told me, he said, he said I used to wear those open shirts I said, I, 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 you know, I saw that. He said, mate, I couldn't tuck a shirt in. That's why he did. It wasn't fashion. Anyway, I, you know, you've got to be careful about that. You've got a uh, hunger. But long before Esau did this, there would have been imaginations. Are you listening? Because this is a vulnerability. Because the process is before you do something that's going to cost you what God is planning to give you, it's played through your mind already. And the imaginations are dangerous. The problem with imaginations of the mind is they lie to you about the bowl of lentils. And they lie to you about how you'll feel after you eat the bowl of lentils. And so you've got to be careful. And the Bible warns us to, 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 to be watching our imaginations. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 and 6, we read, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Is Shada Stanley here tonight? He was this morning. He was the first person who used to quote that verse often. I remember that. And uh, it stayed with me. when I remember the first time he said that to me. To, uh, to, to watching your imaginations, because your imaginations will lie to you. Are you listening? And, and, and you'll create scenarios in your mind that are not reality. And it never, will, it never would be how you're thinking it would be. And you understand that this is a process to get you to a place where you make a decision, and this was Esau, where you say, I, I don't care about, you know, later, I just, I just want this now. And that's what he did here. Our dreams can lie to us. Sometimes they fuel our appetites, but they're unable to deliver any real contentment. You know, you, you dreams that are not reality. And long before the decision comes to eat becomes the imagination about the bowl of lentils. It says in Isaiah 29 verse 8, 
It shall even be as when an hungry man dreameth. And behold, he eateth, that's in his dream. But he awaketh, and his soul is empty. Now, doesn't God know us? Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that what happens? He said, it's like a hungry man having a dream, and he eats in his dream, but when he awakes, his soul is empty. Or when a thirsty man dreameth, and behold, he drinketh, but he awaketh, and behold, he is faint, and his soul hath appetite, he didn't get any benefit. And that's what can happen. Your dreams can lie to you. So we, we have to be looking to the Lord's help to be casting down those imaginations before we even get where that bowl of lentils might appear in front of us. We need, we need to recognise that our dreams can lie to us about some things. And then I want you to see as we move to conclude that what happened here, and this is the sad part, a birthright was lost. How do we equate that to us? Our birthright is the thing that we were born and made to do, the reason, the thing that God has shaped you to do. Okay, but for some, it's never gained because they traded it off somewhere for a bowl of lentils. It's often been said the the fastest runner has never stepped on the track. They never got there. Uh, that, that, you know, we recognise the person who holds the record for the fastest 100 metres, but somewhere out there will be someone who could have beaten that, but they never got to the track. They just never got there. Uh, some, somewhere out there tonight is the preacher who could have preached the great meetings where the Spirit of God was poured out, where people were moved, uh, souls were saved, uh, power came down from above, but, but as yet has never got to the pulpit, has never got there. And, and a lost birthright is when you don't get to do the thing that God planned for you to do. The Word of God says that we have both been born and born again in Christ to do good works, good things for him. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Listen carefully. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He's saying God hath ordained before you get there the good works that God is intending you to do. It's, God has already planned for that. It's your portion in life. It's what God wants you to do. But we can, we can forfeit that if we choose to trade off the future for something of the present. And that's the, that's the, that's the warning here uh, about the lost birthright. And when we lose our birthright, and we lose the thing that God had planned for us to do. You know what it does? It produces a morning day. Not morning, good morning, but morning is in loss. And that's what Hebrews tells us that he did. There was weeping. There was, there was a sense of loss. A morning day was attached to that loss. A lost moment, a lost time, a lost opportunity. There's always a morning day. In Matthew 24, 30, we read, when Jesus comes back, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all, and this is a future thing, then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. There's going to be a mourning day because people will realise why didn't we see that when we could have? Why, why, why didn't we call out to him when we could have? Why, why did we miss that? And there will be great mourning at lost lives, lost opportunities, lost souls, lost nations, lost tribes. 
Uh, God had planned so much more, so much the better to give, uh, but it was never realized. In Revelation 1, verse 7 and 8, we read, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. He's talking about the Jews. And all kindreds of the earth, listen, shall wail because of him. It's coming, it's coming a future day where there's going to be a mourning time over the lost opportunities and lost moments when uh, where people will realise what did we do, what did we forfeit, what did we lose, what, what happened to us. And any time that we miss, we miss what God has for us, there's a mourning day. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I've got to return to some hard things next week. That's the truth. It's, life here is, 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 is much easier in many, many ways. And, uh, and I don't even go back with, with uh, you know, uh, th- three cheers and a party when I land. Uh, I, just, I just go back to work and all, all the pressures and all that happens there. And it's not easy. You know, we, 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 John joked about, you know, the Asians up here, but, but it's inverted when I go back because I'm the foreigner. And, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a total foreigner. And, and I'll be a foreigner for as long as I'm there. And I'll always stand out and I'm never like anybody else. And I, can't, I participate in what I can, but I can't participate in everything. And there are some things that are just hard. But, but, but let me say, I, I, I will gladly bear that uh, and do the will of God because I don't want to have a morning day where I look back on what God was trying to give me and do in my life and I fled the will of God or traded it off for some temporary pleasure or some temporary comfort. Better I forsake my comforts and gain Christ and what he has than to lose those things. I don't want to have that kind of morning day. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss the future that God has for you. I don't want you to miss the blessings that God is just wanting to give you. I don't want you to miss the calling that God has put upon you uh, and, and, and you become the person that could have but never did. Uh, this was Esau's regret. Uh, I say again, God is a God of hope and restoration. Uh, but Esau learned uh, that there are some things we can lose and they may not come back. So the lesson for us is to be careful, to, to, to try to, by the grace of God, preserve what God has for us. Now, let, 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 me, let me be clear. Uh, I, I'm not talking about a mistake. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not talking about a moment where you do something wrong. Uh, this man made a decision to throw away the future deliberately to take the present. Do you understand that? He made a decision. He said, what good is that? What good is that? Later on, he realised what good it was. Later on, he cried. He said, but I had that back. Later on, he said, God, just if you just give it back, God said, it's gone. It wasn't only gone, it went to another. It went to another. It was lost. I've told you the story before, and I'll finish with this. There was an evangelist in America by the name of Bron Clifford. And uh, he was uh, rising to prominence across the U.S., he would preach on the radio and was getting quite a following in tent meetings and such. And uh, people were getting to know Bron Clifford, Bron Clifford, Bron Clifford. Uh, it was about the time that Cecil B. DeMille was making the, the Hollywood classics, the biblical stories, the old movies. And that was happening in Hollywood. And so uh, they reached out to Bron Clifford. Would he come to the studios as they were making one of the biblical stories and and just visit the studios and walk around. Everyone just wanted to say Bron Clifford was here. And he agreed to do that. And uh, he went there and they said uh, somehow through all of that, he started uh, connecting up with the wrong people. And, uh, and uh, then they invited him to come to the parties after the premiere. And he started going to a bit of that. And, and somehow along the way, uh, Bron Clifford just got in all kinds of trouble and it wasn't long after he was found dead 
in what they called a fleabag Texas motel. About that time, another young evangelist rose to prominence and his name was Billy Graham. And uh, Billy Graham began preaching and tent meetings and uh, stadiums and was being uh, used of God and became well known. One day, Billy Graham made this statement. He said, I never do stand to preach without the feeling I'm standing in the shoes that God cobbled for Bron Clifford. Billy Graham said, I have a sense that what I have was actually meant to go to him. And we don't want to be a person where God said, I want to give this to you, but if you'll not take it, it will go to another. And if it goes to them, it will not be able to come back to you. And I believe that's the lesson that the Lord is showing us here tonight. Well, let's have a word of prayer. We're going to have the piano player come, the song leader come, because we are going to have a song. And we're going to sing this song. What is that song? Cast me, what's that? Hear my humble cry. Pass me not. Can you find that? Pass me not. John, if you come up. Let's have a word of prayer. Then we're going to stand up and sing that great song. And we'll sing it prayerfully and we'll sing it to the Lord. Pass me not, O gentle Saviour. Father, please, tonight we've read your word. Uh, Lord, it's been sobering. And Lord, I think there's an element of fear. We realise, Lord, the greatest enemy is often not without, but he is within. Help us, Lord. Have mercy on us. Help us to do and not miss the things that you've set aside for us. Uh, grant us to be eternally minded, to have a focus on eternal rewards and not to, not to trade off some present gain to future loss. May we learn the lesson here tonight. I ask your blessing on the people. Minister to us, Lord, even as we sing the closing hymn, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead. We're going to stand and sing that song if we get it up.